You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins and Professor Trenton Nichols are with me today. And, uh, guys, it was a heck of a sports weekend. Yep. I don't know... If I've ever seen a World Series this exciting. And after game two, I thought that's one of the three or four best World Series games I've ever seen. I can think back to, you know, the Mets Red Sox game six back in the 80s. There there have been some amazing games in baseball history, but game two was right there at the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. And even my wife was like, man, this is fun. Brandon Atkins calls me out of the blue and is like, man, if baseball was like this all the time, I'd be a baseball fan. <laughs> I stayed up and watched it. I was like, I guess I texted him. I said, I guess I love baseball now. Yeah. And, and I mean, and rightfully so, because it was amazing. And everybody was, you know, on board with that. And then it comes back and it's 2-2 in Game 5 on Sunday night. Game 2, I don't even remember it anymore. This biggest, was bananas. The biggest thing that I, you know, I'm a casual baseball fan. I make jokes about talking about baseball on the show all the time. The biggest thing that jumps out to me is you'll go, you'll get, I guess, into the seventh inning and they'll call somebody out from the bullpen. He'll throw it twice sneeze, then they're like, all right, you get out of here. Let's call somebody else. It's like one after another after another. And, you know, I grew up with, like, Eckersley, you know. So, well, and that's the, that's one of the things that people point to when they talk about baseball and its, it's loss of popularity is the end-of-game situations. You get so many specialized relievers. You know, back when, way back when, you know, he had relievers that come in with Sparky Lyle, Goose Gossage, those type guys who became the first legitimate closers. And those guys would come in and get five, six outs. You know, it wasn't uncommon for them to, to have a three-inning save at the end of a ball game. And the rest of the bullpen basically was scrub pitchers. You know, that if your starter couldn't get it to the, to the end of the ball game, you'd throw these guys out there. Well, through the 90s, Middle inning, middle relievers became a thing, and it became a niche. And you had guys that had one or two pitches, which isn't generally sufficient to be a starter. MLB and and the head coaches and GMs found a way to use these guys and get things out of them. You had guys that specialized coming in, pitching an inning or two to get you into later innings, and then you set up man and closer and the rest of that. Well, all of that means pitching changes, yeah, which mean breaks. And then you add the TV break on top of it, 
And it just, the end of games got ridiculous. The other thing is that it absolutely stifles offense because these guys are seeing pitchers and, you know, it generally takes seeing those guys before you can really be effective against them. Now, what we've seen in the World Series kind of blows all that up. Now, there's been some questionable ways in which these relievers have been managed. But then the other piece of it is that the ball's juiced. <laughs> Look, game five, down eight to seven. George Springer comes up after in the last half inning. You think he's related to Jerry Springer? He may well be. And Jerry Springer from Cincinnati. He was the mayor of Cincinnati. Did you know that? The yeah, mayor. I did, actually. Yep. So George Springer had set himself up to be the GOAT. <laughs> trying to be a hero in center field, diving for a ball that he obviously wasn't going to get to. It gets by him. The Dodgers score. Springer comes up in the next half inning. And George Springer's a nice ball player. George Springer's one of those five-tool guys. He's a good ball player. George Springer, immediately after having botched a play in center field, gets up and hits a 480-foot home run. <laughs> to dead center field. Look, most major leaguers, even most sluggers, have never hit a 480-foot home run down the line, let alone to dead center field. You look across at what baseball's done this year, you've got guys like Scooter Jeanette and Didi Gregorius and Chris Taylor and the list goes on and on of guys who had never hit any significant number of home runs who were into the 20s approaching 30 home runs this year. You look at what Aaron Judge did. You look at what Cody Bellinger did. The ball's obviously juiced. Yeah, but <clears throat> that's happened over the course of time of all sports. No. There's subtle little changes. You can't tell me that Babe Ruth was hitting the same ball that I don't know. Dale Murphy was, you know, no, absolutely not. A absolutely, one hundred percent not. And back during the Babe Ruth era, first of all, it you know you have to look at the size of the parks. They were playing at the polo grounds and places like that where it was you know a million miles to the outfield fence, and they would play with a ball until that ball was no good anymore, or it got fouled out of play or whatever the case might be. Now. A pitch is in the dirt, they replace the ball. So the ball's perfect. Yeah. Now, yeah. that Chris, harms the Chris pitcher. De, Chris DeLambert gets hold of the ball one time. It's no good for life. I just <laughs> burst the seams with my and hands. And by the way, if if there was going to be a movie made about Chris DeLambert as a baseball player, I think Yasiel Puig would play that character. <laughs> I think so, too. Have you seen him in the batter box I lately? I love him. No, I love him. He's got the same strut Chris has. I'm not sure Chris would lick his lick and make out with his bat like Puig does. I might, but I might. pretty it's much only this, after foul balls. So. Pretty much the same, you know, little sachet. That, they're very similar. I'm just pointing that out. So, well, but, if but somebody was going to play Brandon Atkins in a movie, <laughs> yep, I think it would be Justin Turner. Oh yeah, because I think <laughs> if you put enough energy into it. You could grow that beard and that flowing red hair that Justin Turner. <laughs> you see, got. I'm a little more scruffy than I normally am. I know, and some might call it laziness. 
Um, I set out to do two things. One, I failed at. This is a rally beard for my fantasy football team. So far, so good. I think I'm finally won the first one in about seven weeks. And then I also was going to attempt to play um, Crystal Lambert for Halloween, and I've fallen way short. I've run out of time. Did you had to start planning for that a year ago? And, and, and I'm just going to chalk it up to laziness. I'm, I'm thinking you got out of bed late this morning and yesterday morning and maybe the morning before because you look like you get about three days growth rock in there. Nice. But, you know, you were talking about differences. Another difference from I'll play the part of the casual baseball fan. Game two, that was Justin Verlander. He pitched in that one, correct? Do you remember? Remember what I was texting you about? The box that they show that indicates the strike zone. Another thing that just weirds me out about today's game, and it's got to have perplexed Justin Verlander, he's all in that box and no strikes are being called. And I understand the nuances of baseball where they kind of establish their own strike zone. But that's why casual fans can't get into it because it just happened to be a good game, so it pulled me in. But if that was a regular season game and I see Justin paint the corner three or four times and not get credit for the strike, I'm just like, what are we watching right Brandon, now? the umpire doesn't see that box, so just so you know. <laughs> I understand. But, but okay. Still, did you- One thing, though, about this. Okay, the ball has got to be different. It's got to be juiced. Of course The is. athletes, just like in all the other sports, are a hundred times better athletes than even ten years ago. And the thing that I'm wondering is growing up, there was like – Two or three pitchers that hit 90-plus miles an hour yes. all the time. So you put all that together, and the ball's going to be flying All out. of these things have conspired. And one of the things Brandon left out about the strike zone is that over the course of our lifetimes, the strike zone has changed dramatically. Sure. When we grew up playing baseball at every level, the strike zone started at the letters mm-hmm. and went to the hollow of the knees. Now it's basically from the belt to the knees, and the pitchers are throwing to a strike zone that's about 18 inches by 24 inches instead of having an additional foot up top. And and the high fastball is the hardest one to catch so up. So eventually you're going to have to throw it through a clown's mouth for it to be considered a strike. Well, that's about what the, you're doing now. I don't know how the umpires see the, the thing's coming at you 100 miles an hour to tell me that they can see it hit that one inch of the tip of the plate. Well, some I mean, of them do a better crazy. job than others. Yeah. And, and I, I disagree with Brandon because as a baseball fan, I'm completely with – having a different strike zone on one night versus what it's going to be the other night. And you see it. As long as it's consistent. As long as it's consistent the whole game. Well, it used to be that you wanted a smaller batter because it was trickier to throw to that guy. But now that they've, according to our conversation the other night, they've, they've made this strike zone smaller. So you have your bigger batters who are... It's a tighter little window for that ball to fit in, and they're jumping all over it. That may have something to do with the home run. Baseball has been conspiring for 10 years to try to get home runs up because home runs translate into viewers. Yep. Shrinking the strike zone, changing the ball. There wasn't – they did a good job of stifling the talk about the ball this year. And I don't know that the ball was harder, 
But I do know that the seams were less pronounced, and it was causing blisters for a lot of the pitchers. And these are guys that have been throwing baseballs since they were, you know, six years old. The seams obviously changed on the baseballs, and that's why you saw so many pitchers going out with blistered issues. Now, from day one of the World Series, pitchers have been saying the ball is smoother. Yeah. I think it's indisputable. Well, even Verlander said it's like signing a receipt at Starbucks. So and he goes to autograph the baseball. Hmm. Trent, you're the professor. Yes, sir. I want you to school the folks at home on why a smoother baseball makes a dramatic impact. Are you sure you don't want me to take that? I'm positive I don't want that. <laughs> well, the smoother baseball, I mean, there's less friction when you're you're trying to grab it. The biggest issue is you're looking at all these guys that are slider pitchers are having a lot more problem because they're not getting the movement on the ball so the ball is they're missing a lot more and if you look at the eras and the runs given up by the pitchers that are predominantly the slider pitcher they're astronomical i mean morton the other night had an own hitter going into the sixth inning well guess what he doesn't throw a slider so the balls are smoother they're not able to grip it the right way and it's moving less it's spinning less which is also given it when they're making the contact, it's launching a lot farther as well. Yeah, when the, with a smoother surface, there's less air resistance. So, yes, the ball's going to spin less, and then it's going to travel through the air more easily because there's less resistance mm-hmm. on a smooth object. That's very basic science. I wish we had, like, a physicist here <laughs> in studio. Instead, we're just settling for a professor. Yes. But – there is obviously something wrong with the ball. Not not wrong with the ball. Because this is what baseball wanted. They've got the attention of America. They've got the casual fans who are tuning in and saying, hey, maybe baseball's not so bad after all. However, the question becomes how much they're fooling with the integrity of the game. Well, Jose Canseco tweeted last night at 1.10 a.m., the balls in my pants have less juice in them than the balls in this game. There you go. So God bless Jose all right. That's pretty That's dope. all we needed. And with that, we'll go to the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WDCC and WBLZ. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WBCC or WBLZ or on a podcast somewhere out there on the worldwide interwebs. We're going to talk a little bit more baseball, then we'll get into some football. I want to make a couple observations about the World Series. Now, we're talking in general, and we're, we're kind of talking about the nuances of the strike zone. Strike zone hasn't changed for the World Series. The fact that some umpires call it a little bit different than others, that's nothing new to any baseball fans. I want to know, Trent, you're a big baseball fan. Mm-hmm. How many years away are we from a robotic 
home plate umpire call balls strikes? Oof. Is it five years, ten years, twenty years? Because it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think with technology, I'm surprised that it's not even getting closer and closer because of like with the strike zone on there. You would even think that the umpire could have something that you know. I mean. Maybe five years. I think it's closer than what we think. But then oh, you got to worry about a manager getting mad at that robotic ump and running out and throwing water <laughs> on it and short circuiting it. Well, well, it won't the other be thing that you could there, be worried about is the no, no. Boston Red Sox, you know, using their Apple watches from the dugout and hacking the robot. Well, that would be the other. No, issue. hold on. If you do a robotic ump, it's got to look cool. <laughs> Like, so it's got to be some kind of humanoid, you know, it's got to go through the same motions as an ump. Maybe it does something cool, like a backflip or something. I don't know, man. Let's make it interesting. What I think is that if they do it, I'm with you. I think they ought to make it into a robot that's a humanoid, and they ought to go back in time. Because it's kind of lame these days. Remember back in the day when every umpire had that dramatic punch out when they struck somebody out? Yeah. Now it's lame. And they're like, but I like the big dramatic. Like in the naked gun when Leslie Nielsen was doing it. He's like, okay, so design it to look like Rock'em Sock'em robots (laughs) throwing the real punch out. Yes, sir. And if he punches hard enough, then his head pops off. How about that? I like it, man. (laughs) And they have to have the big couch cushion protector that they used to wear. All right, let me. I'll try to stay out of going down this rabbit hole and try to make it make sense. But I get kind of a good feeling when the World Series is on. Like I think it's from a time period, even though I don't watch baseball throughout the year, when I as a kid didn't have too many TV options. Um, no internet really existed. Um, and it was a time that I could stay up late with my dad and watch some TV. And I have two daughters. So I'm not sure if they even watch baseball, but they got all these options and they're like, whatever. And I feel like part of that, maybe hurting the game, maybe even Monday night football too. I remember when um, NC State went into, I think it was triple overtime with Pepperdine. I got to stay up late with my father it was just a memory that I'll never forget. And in my mind, I thought, man, that's kind of what's hurting the World Series in baseball. I don't even know what the um, the ratings are, but I know kids in that 14 to 11-year-old range that used to be able to stay with their parents and stuff like that, that helped the growth of the game. And now that's just not there because they're like, I don't know, watching the Disney Channel on their I iPad. I don't know that it's not there, or at least that the opportunity is not there. Because if parents at home or grandparents want to do that with their children, the option is there for them. Right. What you just said is what has made and sustained baseball as America's pastime. Mm -hmm. And part of that is, is that I can sit with one of my children or a friend and we can watch baseball and the game is sort of on in the background and not miss a whole lot and carry on a conversation and catch up with not ruining the game. Right. If I'm watching the NFL, don't talk to me. I mean, <laughs> serious. I mean, I'm, I'm for real. No, I'm you know, I don't you. bring somebody over. Hey, let's watch the game and then want to have a conversation. You shut up and watch football. We'll, we'll talk during the commercials. True that. 
it's it's a different thing. And I can tell you, and I know that it's it it was something you shared with your father. When I was a child, as silly as it sounds, my grandmother was the biggest baseball fan I've ever known in my life. Right. She was the biggest Cincinnati Reds fan. And she would listen every single day on the radio to the Cincinnati Reds, whether they're playing at noon or whether they're playing at seven at night or, you know, ten o'clock out on the West Coast, and she would keep score for the game. Right. And the following morning in the local paper, they would run an article about whomever the Reds player of the game was, and they would run the same size little headshot of whomever that player was, and she would cut it out. Huh. And she would paste it in the back of her scorebook, and she did that every game. That's cool. As more and more games came on TV, and we're talking about you know, 35, 40 years ago, there weren't very many games on television. When, it, when the Reds were playing on TV, brother, you could cancel everything else around you. Yep. Dinner was prepared. No, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Dinner was prepared and served around whatever time the Reds were going to be on TV. The same thing happened with my grandfather. He was a huge Cardinals fan. And we've just kind of, I think, maybe I'm looking in a bubble, we've kind of lost that connection with some of the, the older people that like love baseball as they're part of their life. I'll never forget my grandfather came to watch me. He didn't come to watch me watch uh, play many baseball games, but he did one, and I hit a home run. Guess who I was playing for? The Cardinals. Nice. They, 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 I don't know why we were called the Cardinals. And I look up, and Tim Copas just walked in with a dope leather jacket. Schlep so, rock. Um, and and as, as I'm getting teary-eyed, now I have leather jacket envy because he is rocking in jacket. here. And that's how I became a Mets fan, though, when I was nine years old, the 86 World Series. The passion my dad showed for the New York Mets. From then on, I've always been a Mets fan because of that. And then, going back to it, my grandfather lived in, they lived in Indianapolis. He would listen to the Indianapolis 500 on the radio and keep score every wow. single year. So in the, I didn't know you could keep score yeah, for they put it in. they put it in the paper, and he would, after 25 laps, you know, Bobby Rahal is on the lead, he would write it down, and That's yeah, bananas. it was pretty cool. So are we failing our kids, guys? Yeah. I we, mean, we... we Leave them to their own devices. You know, every one of my kids has their own TV, own room, you know, whatever. And they're on there watching. I don't even know what they're watching. I'm not going to lie. Isn't that funny that that's an old term, leave you to your own devices, and now it applies more than ever? <laughs> right. And it, it's literally. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to talk about the rest of the day, but I could spend an hour and 45 minutes talking about that jacket. That is dope. I think that's straight. What a emu. I definitely emu. Huh? <laughs> Tim better be careful. It might uh go home with Chris it and join well. his collection. I may well. When you're sticking your arm out the window to signal left hand turns, how's that movement? <laughs> Is that looking pretty good? Oh yeah, it does. It looks so good. back to baseball. You know, we're talking about moms and dads and whatever and, and my mother, I know anytime I'm watching a Reds game, my mom is watching the same thing. And sure. there's a you know, it it's something that bonds us. My kids do getting them to you know watch a ball game and sit through the entire thing. It just isn't going to happen. And baseball is not something that that kids dig. The you know your support for baseball among the youth really starts and stops with kids who play baseball and right. do the travel baseball. And travel baseball has become its own industry. That takes a special level of commitment from it families. Does. 
Financial commitment. <clears throat> Financial, the willingness to travel, do all the rest of that. Other kids that don't play travel baseball are very unlikely to consider baseball as one of their top three or four sports. 50 weeks a year, my buddy had baseball tournaments down in Texas. Me. 50 weeks. They had two weekends off a year. They were at tournaments all the time. And there are some folks, you know, that are at that level. And that's the thing. The funny part of that is, is the science and the numbers and the research shows all that travel baseball does not increase your likelihood of becoming a major leaguer. Most of these, well, not most, but a lot of these major leaguers are just superior athletes. It does increase the chances of your parents become bankrupt. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, when you look at HBO did, disappointed. HBO did a thing on travel baseball and travel sports in general not too long ago. And to hear the families talk in terms of how many dollars they were dumping into it was crazy. And I've got friends just like you do, travel baseball, whatever. I've coached travel soccer. It is a commitment. And we've gotten away from community recreation sports right. where your pool of athletes was bigger. You know, the likelihood that you're missing kids that could be that top shelf right. athlete increases dramatically when, you know, you have to have them in the system. Well, and it but sucks. I think the fun's being taken out of sports at a, at a young age. Like, I mean, I know in girls' soccer, if you're really good, you're not even – you're not even touching a high school field. You're playing club soccer somewhere. Same on the boys' side. And that's we, we – I'm not going to go down the soccer rabbit hole today. No, no, don't. But when we talked about the U.S. missing the World Cup and the fact that the system and the program needed to be blown up, that's part of it is the recreational leagues for the youth because unless you're in the travel system and you're in these academies, you're left out in the cold. And you've got athletes all across the spectrum – that are playing other sports because they're more accessible. Sure. And we need to get them into our soccer pipeline. And if we don't, we're going to get knocked out of the World Cup by, you know, Trinidad and Tobago. Congratulations. You know, I do want to give a shout-out to Bruce Arena, who said, I am accountable and resigned as the head coach of the U.S. men's team because too often in America these days they're like, yep, uh, responsibility, accountability – and they don't go anywhere. Yeah. Now. Well, I was questioned at work this weekend. They said, uh, what do you think about the U.S. getting knocked out of the World Cup? And they then said, Landon Donovan needs to get his button gear and get working with that USA to fix this. No, they already talked, talked about he's going to be one of the key people in there. Yeah. I heard it on the radio the other so, day. Donovan, so. be careful. <laughs> Landon Donovan's a little weird. Well, see, that's what I was warning you guys. Like, nobody's going to be happy with whoever is chosen. Not all the people. I've never seen a more split group than soccer people when it comes to who's going to be leading their soccer team. Well, my response was go to Europe, spend all the money you can on somebody that's successful in the Premier League and bring their GM over and bring a coach over and just throw all the money and let them build the system because obviously they do it right in the Premier League. I think you should do, go get Beckham. Who could argue with Beckham? You know, right. just have he him can raise, bend it to yeah. anybody. You know? I'm not going to disagree bend, with that. He could bend not them. For one second. He could bend them right into Why the next Why do when Olympics. we talk about soccer, Chris gets on his phone and he knows the most about all of it? No, that, that, <laughs> no I'm going to tell you, Chris is notorious 
for like doing that, throwing out a topic that he doesn't want to talk about, and then bounces. what Twitter account did he set up now? We Great. leave him, we leave him to his own devices yeah. when we talk about soccer. It's, it's like the ADD children. guys. I'm sorry, it's the, I'm completely ADD. Brandon, <laughs> you know that as much as anybody. We'll talk about my other issues on the other side. You're listening from the cheap seats on WDCC and around the world on WBLZ. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. Thank you, Sammy Hagar and the rest of Chickenfoot for bringing us in out of the break. I think Appreciate it actually go job. like this. I got money, I got fame, fast cars, and Tim Copas's leather jacket. <laughs> Tim has been, he's been out of the control room for months. When was the last time he was oh here? Oh my Drink? gosh, I have no idea. And Four and weeks. to let you guys know how it's set up, we're, we, you know, we're set up in the studio, in the, in the big boy room. And then there's the kids' table back there in the engineering area in the control room. And we're separated by a big, gigantic window. And when Schlepprock is not here, Trent runs the show. And we don't have it wired up because Tim doesn't like to run the show through headphones. He has house speakers in there and blares it at, you know, he turns it up to about 13 I, dude, your neighbors used to hate you when you were a kid, I'm sure. I guess it takes approximately four weeks to hunt Tony Soprano down and steal his leather jacket. <laughs> so when Trent is running the show, he can't be on the show from the control room because we're not wired up that way because DJ Schlepprock doesn't like it. So Trent literally has to start the segment, run around the corner, through here, not slam the door, get in here, get on his headphones and onto the mic. And now he gets to sit back and chill through the breaks and all the rest of it. So it's pretty cool. So I'm done with baseball. As of this taping, the Astros are up 3-2. If you're catching the podcast after the fact, whatever the case might be, everything we said might be out the window. But I do want to give you some math real quick. Through five games, there have been 23 home runs hit. 23 home runs comes out to 4.6 a game. You divide that in half, it's 2.3. You multiply that out over 162 game schedule, it comes up to 388.8 home runs that a team would hit during the regular season if they were hitting at that pace. The all-time record for home runs, I'm doing this off my head with no notes, Seattle Mariners, 
back with the Griffey Buner that crew. Martinez, yeah, Edgar. 264. Ooh. Yeah. So you're, you know, 125 home runs ahead of that pace. And keep in mind that you're talking about, yes, I'm trying to think what it's called right now because it used to be Minute Maid, then it was Enron. What, what is it now? Minute Maid Park. Is it Minute Maid now? Yep. It was Enron now. It's Minute Maid. I always want to say Enron because that cracks me up a little bit. <laughs> but Minute Maid is a little bit of a bandbox. You've got the the short porch out in, in left field. But Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium, is one of the harder parks in the country to hit home runs in. And you're talking about two of the best pitching staffs in Major League Baseball. Come on. This clip that we're hitting home runs at, Major League Baseball, let's dial this back a little bit. Raise the mound, do something. Start calling the high strikes again. Do whatever. Or this just- is great for this spectacle. But we're not playing the same game these guys have been playing all their lives. That's the last I'm going to say about it. Okay. Or just call strikes. You're just glad about the part where I said that's the last we're going to talk yes. about. Yes. <laughs> I did read. You know, um, are we shifting in the NFL or college football? You decide. All right. Let's go ahead. We'll go into NFL because you have a man crush on a certain quarterback Brother. that played for the Texans. Look, Dabo but, but, Swinney. But as we, as we transition into football – that's the one last thing about baseball. Playoff baseball series games, I read this week, still get le- less ratings than just a normal regular season football game in the NFL. And that's every one of them. Maybe not Cleveland, maybe not, I don't know. But regular season games in the NFL outrate playoff baseball. And that's because baseball's boring. So that's why baseball is so desperate with all eyes on it for the World Series to give the public a product that can compete with 75-yard touchdown passes and, you know, 360 dunks because there just aren't that many things athletically that happen on a baseball field that are as exciting. Well, then you need to put trampolines by the warning track. From Game 7 last year. You like that, don't you? <laughs> Trampolines by the warning track. I'm yes. digging wow. that 100%. They're, they're sort of registered. I mean, that would yeah, be That's the first stupid thing huh? I've said about baseball where Chris was like, hmm. Yeah, maybe. better than uh, letting wild animals out on the field <laughs> to make it interesting. I remember that one. I still like that idea. But if you're not a baseball fan, Game 7 of last year's World Series and every single World Series game this year has got to be turning people in. To at least October baseball fans. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. This series is huge for baseball, for sure. All right, let's stop talking baseball. All right. Deshaun Watson. Dabo Swinney said during the draft that this was Michael Jordan. And everybody looked at this dude and were like, okay, Dabo. (laughs) Look, Deshaun Watson right now. Trent, we were talking about this before we came on, and you made the statement, if I was building an expansion franchise today, if Tulsa, Oklahoma were to get a a franchise tomorrow and could start that with one player, Deshaun Watson would be the guy. Yeah. And I thought about it in in a couple of seconds, and I was like, that's an extreme statement. I am 100% on board with it. Deshaun Watson, by the time it's all said and done, assuming that he stays healthy, Deshaun Watson might well be this. 
I don't believe I'm going to be this over the top. Wow. Might be the best quarterback to ever play football. That kid and what he's able to do as a rookie, I have never seen a rookie quarterback play at the level he's playing at right now. And if you watch football and you follow football closely, the things that he's doing from a physical standpoint are things that most people that have come from before him cannot do. I can explain it. What happened was we were talking about <laughs> robots calling calls for the MLB. Well, they had gotten far enough along with the robot <laughs> prototype. It went – Deshaun went all ex Mahina style. <laughs> I think it's ex Machina. Ex Machina. <laughs> <laughs> and escaped that program and started playing You're quarterback for the Texans. I don't know what happened. Man, I had to keep He's not human against the Seahawks. And nobody likes you. I, I kept and looking up going, you. this game's in Houston, right? This game's in Houston. And no. I even said, Deshaun Watson, don't compare him to Russell Wilson. This is Steve Young. And you were right. This is Steve Young in his prime. Yes. I mean, it's unreal. Yes. You look at what he can do physically with his feet, with his arm, and it's next level. When you look at his ability to do the subtle things as an NFL quarterback and move in the pocket and keep his eyes down the field, he is unreal. He is next level. And, you know, the haters out there be, well, they lost 41 to 38. I want you to identify for me one time in the Pete Carroll era where an opposing quarterback went into Seattle and torched his defense for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Did they bait him into a couple of picks? They sure did. But you know what? He's going to learn from that, and he's going to get better. Well, he's lear- He learns from it, but he also has this, I let go of the last play. Like, he's – the opposite of Cam Newton when it comes to mistakes. Mm-hmm. You can see Cam, it sticks with him and then beats him on the next play. This dude is cold as ice, bro. Well, and you look at what you're talking about is whether it's a drop ball by a receiver, whether it's a sack, whatever. You see Watson get sacked and he bounces right back up and he's liable to throw a 45-yard touchdown pass the next play like it never happened. It, I- it's unreal. And I loved him at Clemson. And I thought, this guy can be a good pro, a really, really good pro. Even I underestimated. You know who else underestimated? The Cleveland Browns. Who are the NFL leaders in touchdown passes as we go into uh, the next weekend here? Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Tied at 19 apiece. Am I correct? Yes, sir. How did the Browns blow this? Oh. And not only did they not draft them, they traded out of position to draft these well, guys. And you, were, you were making the Jordan comparison. Could Mitch Trubisky be Deshaun Watson's Sam Bowie? He may well be. I've told you from like jump. That, didn't you? I think that I think that physically, Trubisky's got the tools. The question I have is, I only got to see him for one year at UNC. You fell in love the other day when he won a ball game after while completing four, four passes. Well, I mean, four. he played thirteen four. college games. How many trip? Four, four. I, I understand that four. you. It's not even worth talking about <laughs> when you throw him to the wolves like that. 
I thought he held up pretty good, even though he he, he was frustrated let's, that he let, didn't get a chance yesterday. Okay. Yesterday. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yesterday. He just said he was frustrated. He was. Okay, Deshaun Watson started the season behind Tom freaking Savage. <laughs> he got thrown in to the Wolves mid-game to come bail Savage out in a game that the Texans gave up a dozen sacks to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Deshaun Watson's like, what do you want me to do? Hey, Trent. Beat the Bengals in prime time? Trent. Who's, in Cincinnati? Trent, no problem. Who is, what do you want me to do next? Playing, all right, Chris, you done? <laughs> Trent, who's playing wide receiver for the Bears? Willie Galt? I have no idea. I don't know. You know what? But okay, Kevin I White. see your and point. Now, and now their number one tight end, who's playing wide receiver for the Eagles, Alshon Jeffries. But let, yesterday, good. the Bears got the ball in prime field position, had a chance to beat the Saints. All they had to do was go down there. And every time I watched Mitch throw a ball, he floated it over his wide receivers. The wide receivers are obviously good enough to be in the NFL. They may not be superstars. They may be crappy. But Mitch couldn't make the throws. I'm not saying he's not going to be a good quarterback. It's too early to make that call. What I saw is he's floating. He he just couldn't do it in that against the Saints, who are five and two. But still, and if you're going to wait a minute, if you're going to if you're going to say who's playing wide receiver for the Bears, who's playing running back for the Houston Texans? Lamar I mean, Smith, come on, dude. You've got a tandem of backs there in Chicago that may be the best pair of backs in all of football. Yeah. So the that pressure he's got to lean be on, on Mitch. I mean, Lamar Miller is not. is still giving carries to a guy named Alfred Blue. Hold on. Lamar Miller is not mud, bro. I said Lamar Smith. I meant Lamar Miller. He's not mud, but he's he's a guy. He's just a guy. Their running back is Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, but I mean, look. DeAndre Hopkins is also not from this earth. He's like a freak show. Will Will Fuller is like poor man DeAndre. You know, I mean, he's got some pretty doggone. And we're talking about it off air. And this is to credit Deshaun Watson. Whereas last year, you were mentioning, Chris, I don't want to steal your thunder. But you were talking about DeAndre had checked out, not finishing routes and things of that nature. They are laying it all out on the line for Deshaun Watson because they believe in this guy. Bam. You did steal my thunder. I appreciate you jacking what I was saying. I gave you credit, though, bro. I know you did. If this was last year before, you wouldn't have thought that the Texans had these superstar freak of nature wide receivers because he hung it up last year. And you're saying saying Will Fuller. Will Fuller, nobody was looking for Will Fuller to blow blow anything up. And here's the difference. Will Fuller yesterday, two long touchdown passes running past people. I know of a rookie receiver that plays up north in Cincinnati named John Ross who ran the fastest 40 in combine history, made his legit debut yesterday. He's gotten some snaps early in the season, including that Texans game where he helped lose the game with a fumble. But John Ross yesterday comes in there with 4-1 plus speed Zero catches, zero touches, zero yards, zero fantasy points because Andy Dalton and that offense can't get in the ball. Will Fuller has straight line speed and can get behind everybody. If you don't have a quarterback that can create his own time to get the ball down the field and then deliver it, it doesn't matter. 
So I think if you take Will Fuller and you put him in Cincinnati for the sake of argument, what are you going to get? Poor guy. We'll finish the conversation on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. This is Jared Jones. Kristen Lambert and Brandon Atkins always helped me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back. Last 15 minutes of the first hour. That was kind of abrupt. I don't know what happened there. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins. Brandon Atkins here. In case you forgot my name. Professor Trent Nichols. If you're listening on WDCC, follow us over to the internet. The best part's always the second half after we get warmed up. You can find us on iTunes. Check from the cheap seats. We're the one with the white on white logo. We'd appreciate the follow. We'd appreciate a five-star review. We'd appreciate a bag full of cash left at the studio door. So whatever you want to do. All right. We're talking about Mitch Trubisky versus Deshaun Watson. And I want to I want to step back two weeks ago. And Mitch Trubisky got a W that nobody expected and completed four passes in that game. And you came in and said, listen. <laughs> Why are you wait, on this? Wait a minute, I don't wait, get it. Because I just want to make a point. And you said – if you watched what he's doing, you can tell that he's got the skills. He's got the stuff. Deshaun Watson, two weeks later, goes into Seattle with one of the greatest secondaries of all time and puts up 400 yards and four touchdowns, including what should have been a game winner had they not gacked it away there at the end and let Russell Wilson come back down and do their thing. And, oh, by the way, I have to say publicly, I have bashed Russell Wilson for years. I think Russell Wilson's a little bit overrated. Russell Wilson's one heck of a quarterback. Yeah, I mean. he's doing his thing. Deshaun Watson is Russell Wilson, except he's about six inches taller and doesn't fumble the ball half as much. So Mitch is doing what Mitch should do, and the Bears need to be careful with him because he's obviously not at the point that Deshaun Watson is as a starting NFL quarterback. Now, Mitch may continue to develop and be a very good quarterback for years to come, but right now, Deshaun Watson, everyone was wrong. He's the most ready NFL quarterback, and he's proven it, and Bill O'Brien's recognized it, and putting in plays to show off his strengths, and he's delivering. Well, Bill O'Brien, is, Bill O'Brien is a top-shelf play caller, a top-shelf 
NFL coach who has done it at a lot of different levels. And he is putting Deshaun Watson in position to succeed. And I think he's sort of hardening his position down there in, in Houston. I think Bill O'Brien's going to be around for a long time because I think they're going to have a lot of success. And I'm not I'm not trying to bash Mitch Trubisky or anybody else. Mitch Trubisky may be a great quarterback down the road. Here's what I was getting at before about sort of the rules for drafting quarterbacks. Trubisky did it for one year at UNC. We have no way of knowing what his study habits are like, what his ability to absorb the system is, to learn new things and get better. We're going to find that out at the NFL level. Deshaun Watson, on the other hand, was thrust into a starting position because of injury, went out there as a freshman and put up 1,800 yards. The next year came out 4,100 yards. And as a junior came out 4,500 yards, 21 touchdowns, and a national championship, there's an obvious growth from this guy. Now, Deshaun Kaiser up in Cleveland, this is a guy, if you look at them and put them at the combine to work out, Deshaun Kaiser and Deshaun Watson are almost exactly the same guy. They've got good wheels. They've got big arms. They flash accuracy. All of that. Except one's got orange and brown on. Makes a difference. <laughs> it, well, it does. And here's there's a couple of things at play here. One, Deshaun Kaiser's a guy who's two years as a starter at Notre Dame look almost, almost exactly alike. And he may have even regressed in that second year as a starter. Then he comes out and he's got question marks around him. He comes in and ultimately is anointed by the Browns. And now Hugh Jackson... I may be incorrect. Hugh Jackson and Deshaun Kaiser may win a Super Bowl together one day. (laughs) I don't believe I really just said that. But I don't think that's going to happen. And in large part, I think he's going to ruin Deshaun Kaiser before he gets fired in Cleveland. First of all, you come out and maybe he's the starter. Maybe he's not the starter. Then you put the kid on a short leash and you yank him out of games when things aren't going well. Then you come in and Jackson starts Kevin Hogan two years ago, or two weeks ago. Now Kaiser's back in. He's back on the short leash. He's yanking this kid around. The, he's getting his butt kicked while he's in there. He doesn't have a lot of talent around him. I don't know if you could be trying any harder to David Carr a guy mm-hmm. than Hugh Jackson seems to be doing with Deshaun Kaiser. Destroy and here's here's my real, real, real concern about it. Because if Deshaun Kaiser's going to be a championship quarterback, he should be able to get through this. Here's my problem with it. The only explanation I can come up with is that Hugh Jackson is trying to motivate Deshaun Kaiser. Brother, if being drafted and given the keys to the car as a starting quarterback in the NFL is not ample motivation, you're not going to be a championship quarterback. And that's what I see. So the Browns... I think it's not too early to call it, have screwed this up again, and they're going to have to live with this Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson debacle for a long time. And I'm going to throw long out another after name. Hugh, gets Jackson, Hugh Jackson gets canned before the end of the season. In that's three or four years, we're going to look at this draft, and it's going to be Deshaun Watson and probably uh, Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterbacks drafted because we haven't even seen him yet. But I have a solution to the Cleveland thing. I think they should – 
pack up and move that team to Baltimore. <laughs> London, why not go to London? That'll never happen. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in Cleveland. It's, it's an absolute just, train wreck. They're, they're doomed. They are doomed. Certain teams are just doomed forever. And Cleveland Browns, you know, well, those lo- they're kind of lovable losers there for a while. Now they're not even lovable. No, they're not. They're just losers. And Hugh Jackson, I, I honestly believe Hugh Jackson, if put in the proper situation – could succeed as a head coach. Like retirement? No, like <laughs> Belichick. He may end up getting fired from well, the Browns. Let me tell you what's going to happen. miserably and go somewhere else. Let me else. tell you what's going to happen. And and you can write it down. And if I'm right about this. Hold on, let me get my pen. Get your pen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Marvin Lewis is not going to make it out of Cincinnati alive. I don't think Jackson will go back He's to done. Cincinnati. Oh, Hugh Jackson is not only going to come back to Cincinnati. Hugh Jackson will be the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals next year. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I don't know if I Now, I want to tell you that the only reason Jackson left Cincinnati to take the Cleveland job, Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson had put together a secession plan, a succession plan, not a secession, a succession plan, and took to ownership and said, it's never been disclosed how many years it was for, but essentially Marvin Lewis was going to keep the reins of the team, and when he left, Hugh Jackson was going to be hired as the head coach. Ownership was on board with it and agreed to it. Hugh Jackson thought about it and went ahead and took the Cleveland job anyway because he couldn't get it in writing from ownership. Yeah. Ownership said, yes, we'll do this. Whose idea we want you to be that? our guy. Marvin Lewis and Hugh yeah, Jackson. you got to win games to be able to make that call. Remember, Look, listen, listen. Marvin Lewis should have retired or been fired as the head coach and gone into the front office in Cincinnati a long time ago. We're not going to let this be Bengals half hour. But Marvin Lewis, from a personnel standpoint, is amazing. And he has his hands in the personnel department as much as any head coach in, in the National Football League. And you look at the Bengals on paper, they ought to be beating people and beating them badly. Well, can, I give, not- you a, give, can I give you an idea of why that's a horrible idea? Why is it a horrible idea? Number one, you can't make that call. If you're not winning games, you can't. You can't tell people who your the successor is going to be, and then even if you are winning Brother. enough, it's not a good idea. Do y'all know of a person named a coach named Dean Smith? It was his one wish to have Coach Guthridge succeed him. Right? The Wait rest. A Wait a minute. Hold on. How many national championships did Guthridge win? None. No, he never got one. He had teams that should have won, went to the Final Four twice. Coach Cut, uh, Coach Dean Smith left him. Am I right, Diamond D? There's, they, they're doubting my knowledge of college basketball, which is incredible. He, they had two. Um, he they said lost, it's incredible. They, they lost against um, the Miles Simon Arizona team in the Final Four where Vince Carter tried to dunk it on the wrong goal. And then they also lost to uh, Utah. It was the Keith Van Horn team. And after that, we never got another recruit for the next, what, five years? And that's why it's always a mistake well, to have the last coach pick a successor. It should be a program's decision. Okay, Sorry, so who I didn't did mean the to- program decide to hire after Bill Guthridge? 
They wanted Roy Williams. Who, who, who did they decide to hire? They Is wanted it, Roy Williams. Doherty? Brad Doherty or whatever? What was that dude's name? It was Matt Doherty. Matt. That How'd Brad, that work out? Brad Doherty would have worked out better. He's nasty. So now, Dean Smith chose the guy that got to two Final Fours, and the program chose <laughs> a on, guy that destroyed the program. Ah, I'm just saying. Diamond D, who did they get to two I Final Fours? I think Brandon could have gotten to two Final Fours with that team. That's oh, entirely wow. possible. Yeah. And I think you that when Roy Rashid Williams Wallace, leaves. Rashid Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse. Right. I think and the other Mike Davis got to a final game against Maryland right after Bob Knight got fired. I'm just and then Knight's and team. then the other team had Vince Carter and uh, Jameson. Jameson. I'm, and look, the first team had them all. They were freshmen at the time. Yeah, I'm just gonna say that I think that when Roy decides to hang up his Nikes, that Brandon Atkins ought they're, to be on the Jordans. short list. Yeah, whatever. Thanks for listening, WDCC listeners. Follow us on over to the web. If you're listening on WBLZ or on the podcast, we got a whole nother hour to go. Diamond Dave Kaplan's in the studio, so it's going to be awesome. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back to the second hour. This will be a little looser. (laughs) I say looser, but Diamond Dave Kaplan just checked into the studio, and he's as He's among the most straight-laced people I know, so I don't know. He and was he's, showing us that's during the break, he was showing us his battle wounds. What did you get into this weekend, man? Well, I got into a little bit of inflatable fun. Inflatable fun. <laughs> that's right, inflatable fun. Are we going to be allowed to talk about this on the air? This is totally PG. It's my buddy, uh, uh, my five-year-old uh, friend. My, my buddy's son just turned five, and uh, no kids showed up. Come on. No, well, his his cousin Kale was there. Kale's probably seven or eight, and uh, the strep throat throwing up. Apparently, there's a whole throwing up thing going on. There's strep. Well, I know strep's been going around, and right. actually, I got some coworkers who've had the stomach thing. So, right, it's legit. What's 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 the five year old's name? His name is Luke Rhodes. Should we sing Happy Birthday, That's Luke Rhodes? That's a cool name, man. Yeah, Luke Rhodes. Yeah, let's cool do it. Yeah. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Lou Rhodes. Happy birthday to you. I know that doesn't make up for all the kids with strep and stomach issues. And oh, whatever. he had a good time because well, there we, we played. Go. The adults oh, played nice. with him. And, uh, and now I'm beat up. I'm sore. I got strawberries on my elbows. I'm looking at my phone, Full man. contact inflatable action. There. Look, I, I, didn't, I didn't get a call. I'm a little disappointed because, you know, if it was... Well, 
Like Wait. bouncing around, acting like a five-year-old, I'm great at that. It was fun. Although I about had three heart attacks, I think, because you can go pretty hard on those things. And and uh, But I'm, I'm more disappointed I didn't get an invite to this scare fair thing out in the back of Creekwood. Well, I, birthday parties, I guess, are a theme. Brandon. So, go ahead. I wish I had somebody that loved me as much as you love your daughter, Clarice, because that was awesome. Well, she okay. So, quick story: she turned third, uh, fourteen this past weekend. So, I tried to do like a haunted forest, and y'all would really love to have been there because the very first scene in the haunted forest was Krista Lambert dying and being eaten by a werewolf. Nice, <laughs> that's pretty dope. And um, but what I've I not found out, but I quickly remind I was reminded of is that fourteen and fifteen year olds talk too daggone much to be scared by much of anything and this is exactly why y'all get killed in the horror flicks because that's why y'all go first teenagers it's because you won't shut your mouths up long enough to be scared of anything and you're like oh let me go in here and talk and investigate and the next thing you know you're dead michael myers i'm gonna put all of those kids on notice because if we ever do something like that again First of all, we're going to break them out of the herd because oh, there yeah. were a lot of yeah. fake, brave kids because they were surrounded by all of their little buddies. Right. If we'd have taken them out and had them go down that trail one by one or in groups, it would have been an entirely different animal. And when you mix girls and boys together, the boys are trying to be macho. Yep. And yeah. There's nothing better than when a 15-year-old boy makes the most feminine noise because they're scared. <gasps> yeah. The, you know, no, there is something better than that, and that's when a 15-year-old boy from the back of your pickup truck says, Hey, take it to the right, killer! Yeah, I had some <laughs> punk in the back. So we had the tailgate. I have a backup mirror, just kind of like a uh, camera, just like everybody does nowadays. And when you have the tailgate down, yeah. you can't see. Right. And so anyway, long story short, I got a little too far to the left trying to avoid a pothole. And I hear this voice, hey, you need to take it right, killer. <laughs> and I just said, <laughs> my brother Baron was in the passenger side. And and we had three other kids in the back in the cab with us. And I looked at Baron, I was like, did somebody just call me killer? <laughs> and he said, I'm afraid so. So, like, the window goes down. And I'm like, hey, dude, without the license, you can't call me killer. <laughs> and I think that's Mr. Killer. Yeah, sir. Is it this, was, this going to be Clarice's prom date? No, 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 no. Did any uh, of these kids sneak off into the woods? They got pretty deep back into the woods, but I mean, I had Baron there, and he's like, I told him, don't regulator. let any of this happen, you know. And so he, we were both kind of patrolling, but it was overall good. I've had the parents reach out to me and say, good job. Okay, so, now well, well, hold on, hold on. I graduated with Baron. Okay, cool. I don't know if he would be the one. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying. You're absolutely right. But, you know, it's kind of sometimes how you, like, if there's these unsolvable crimes, you go into these prisons like Hannibal Lecter and you try because they're that criminal. (laughs) Right. And they tell you how these crimes were committed. And so that's what I did in there. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. And Baron, I, I went to go pick up Baron at the house and bring him out because he got there a little bit late. He was, you know, I don't know, solving the Middle East 
crisis or something and wasn't there on time. So I went back and I picked him up. And as we came out, we were walking back out and, and Evelyn was with us, um, your younger daughter. And we're walking and everywhere we go down this path, Baron's got a story for it. This is where we used to this. And this is how I used to get back to my buddy's house there. And it's pitch black going through this. And I'm like, man, Baron, God knows the damage he did back in those woods in the day. But <laughs> Well, I'll say going. David Kaplan came on with a pretty awesome jacket. What kind of jo- jacket is that? Dude, But that the, jacket the, doesn't the, even the, register. That's what I'm saying. Like... You say I, I don't even cool. 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 Yeah, it's a ski brand. Born in mountain country. It's an awesome Look. jacket, but what you don't know is Tim Copas came in here earlier and wrecked your whole jacket game. Oh my game. gosh. It's yeah. pretty dope. You'll see it at some point. I don't know where he picked it up at, but he's got the black leather jacket rocking right now. It's it's pretty dope. I'm gonna I'm going to steal it from him at some point. That'll be good. So do you want to talk up a little bit about Joel Berry? Him Punching stuff. He broke his hand. No big deal, huh? How'd yeah. he break his hand, Dave? I, maybe inflatables. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. those things are dangerous. I guess Trent, he, he was Trent uh, Nichols, angry. you got breaking news as to how Joel Berry broke his hand? So the story goes they're playing uh, NBA 2K. Right. Because, you know, that is life. And uh, uh, Yes, I have... Yes, I have a 17-year-old son at the house, and it is life. He, yes. uh, he got schooled, got pissed off. Punched something and broke his hand. Nice. Yeah. So Trent walks in and says, uh, who's this guy for Carolina that broke his hand? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Brandon, is he any good? Yeah. Like, who is this guy? Well, he, he was the MVP of the Final Four. You know, yeah. it's not you know, figured if he was any good, he'd be in the NBA right now. But No, he's probably doesn't have the uh, size of game the transition. Right. He'll be playing in Europe somewhere. I mean, Maybe. Well, you know, the thing that kind of dawned on me when I first heard the story is we're all enamored with the athletes, right? I mean, we kind of, even the, these kids, we kind of look up to them. Mm-hmm. And we never, as they're winning the Final Four MVP and hoisting the the trophy, think that as soon as they get done with that, they're going to play Mario Kart. You know? Like, I mean, yeah. they're kids. Yeah. They're not doing anything like profound well i remember they put you know it was just a couple years ago when Devontae adams got to green bay as a first round draft pick and aaron Rodgers called him out and was like look dude you need to quit playing madden all the time and you need to be in your playbook and put him on blast and he was he's turned it around and is now a top shelf nfl player but yeah these guys are kids isn't that about the same thing as playing nfl madden about learning the playbook i mean couldn't it's you it's not exactly the same thing um no but i mean it's not uncommon and you know those of us with obsessive personalities or like video games or whatever the case might we get rolled up into them i was telling trent trent was looking over my shoulder trying to figure out what i was doing I don't know if you know this about me, Brandon. I own a quarter million baseball and football cards. I didn't know it was that many, but I knew you had a collection. Yeah, about 250,000 of them. And I have been a collector all my life. How many lawns do you have to mow to, to be able to collect that a many? A lot. A lot. And, you know, paper route, uh, mowing lawns, all that stuff. And then in adulthood, I came into adulthood sort of the right time when eBay became a thing and I was buying, you know, cases of cards and on and on and on. I have a lot, a lot of cards. So there is an app on the iTunes store right now. It's the Panini Dunk app. And it's a variation of a game that's been around for a while, but this is a new app. And 
I have been hooked on this thing for about two weeks. And I told Trent, I have lost count of how much money I have spent on this app. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that, but it's a real thing. And I hope my wife's not listening because she's going to be like, what are you do? Are you serious? But I'm addicted to this. And what it is, you collect basketball cards and then you play fantasy basketball weekly with those cards. Hmm, okay. And I called you the other day and I was like, hey, let me tell you what's going on. For about three days last week, I was number one in the whole world. And I was excited about that. By the end of the week, I wasn't number one. But I'm going to win the whole thing this week. Okay. But here's what I'm proposing to Panini, and I'm going to send this show to them. We need to become the official radio show of the Panini Digital or Panini Dunk or however they want to do it. And I'm, I've got some ideas for that. How are y'all down with that? I'm cool with that. I'm or is not that sure. a little too nerdish for your taste? No, I'm just, you know, because I do play app games, but I ha- I get this perverse pleasure by playing them without spending any money. I got you, man. So, I'm- I mean, you can you have the ability to spend money, and it takes you forever. But what's the point? Like, can I just give you 50 bucks and say I win the whole thing? You know, I mean, I don't like spending money for these little Let's create app an games. app like that. Let's Let's do that. I know a guy that can write code, that can create an app, and let's do that, and that'll be the whole thing. Just give us $50 and you win. <laughs> we'll just yeah. say that you're a winner. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, you know, send you a little screenshot of, you know, a, a victory card, a picture of a trophy. You're the winner. Congratulations. Keep your eyes open because we'll be launching a new contest next week. Yes. I like it. Where you can make us rich again for just calling you a winner. Yes. Sometimes you need your self-esteem boosted. Everybody wins. Well, it's just like these people. Everybody wins. It's like these professional cuddlers. You can pay someone to cuddle cuddle with you and make you feel all warm inside. Yeah, that's a step away from illegal. I actually, this this is a real thing that really happened. A friend of mine. Uh-oh, are you sure you want to tell this story? And started out with a friend of mine. Like no. anybody believes it's a friend of yours. <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine came to me several months ago and told me that their daughter, who is a young adult, had applied to be a cuddler. With an organization that coordinates that. They like pimp out the cuddlers. Mm -hmm. And came to her mom and said, this is what I'm going to do. And mom was like, "Uh, negative. Yeah. No, that's not how this is going to go down. But the child (laughs) legitimately. parental move. The child legitimately did not understand what the problem there was. No, these people have to agree to not do anything more than cuddle. And Wow. I can't imagine a more vulnerable spot to be in. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to be a, a professional color. insulter. Like, you pay me, oh, and yeah. I'm like, what kind of pullover is that? Look at that garbage. What kind of jacket is that? You think that jacket's no good? Tim Copa's got a better jacket. Look, you know, my wife is a professional counselor. Yeah. I have, in many, many different circumstances, tried to get her to go into business with me in a counseling practice (laughs) so that I can be a full-blown partner and she can be the conciliatory counselor, the one that tries to solve problems and and allow people to develop a plan to get to where they're wanting to go. And I would be the reality therapist (laughs) and tell them, 
This is what's really going on. So good cop, bad cop. Yes. Well, you I thought, get it. Yeah, I get it. See, see I thought you were going to – you are the guy that creates the mental problems. <laughs> yeah. Then well, she's got to solve them, and then you have an endless – well, see, that would be perfect because at just about the time she got these people back on their feet and going in the right direction, I'd be there to mess it up, and they'd just be clients perpetually. That's a great business model. Do yeah. you call it – is it called the Lamar Odom service? Oh, come on. And you no. need to have a fire on the way out the door of this $50 and you're a winner thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude let's and if do we this. put a dude in a gorilla suit out front spinning a sign, <laughs> yeah. yeah, why not? Money, cha-ching, man, We've got you, this. You know the but, show's gone downhill when Trent's got his face in both of his hands. But in all He's seriousness, like, oh. Panini, oh I'm imploring you. I'm gonna send you the show. I'm gonna forward you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you exactly where to go. We want your sponsorship. Come on and do this. You're listening on WBLZ or on the podcast. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Diamond Dave Kaplan. Hanging out and uh, about to talk about a little NC State football, I reckon. So State rolled in to Notre Dame, one of the biggest games State's played in a long time, and really accounted for themselves well in the first quarter. Right. And then what happened, Dave? It just happened. They got happened. beat up. Yeah, a couple of folks got injured, and and uh, I was as I was saying in the break. I think you can put that offensive line of Notre Dame on any team, and it'll get you three, four, five, and in in the Tar Heels instance, six or seven more games uh, wins. I mean, they just control the. And of course, NC State strength is their front line uh, defensive line. So uh, it was strength versus strength in the Notre Dame team. Their offensive line went out. I mean, but I, you you hear them talking off like four or five of those guys are, they're talking top three rounds of, of draft picks. They're all fifth year seniors. I mean, it's it's just set up for a successful team. Well, that offensive line is nice, and the result has been Josh Adams, who out of nowhere really has been catapulted into the Heisman race, um, almost just by default because everybody right. else sort of keeps falling by the wayside. Somebody else who was catapulted into the conversation that has, you know, been a name that's been around, it seems like, for the last 10 years, Joe Thomas Barrett, the fourth. Ohio State, JT Barrett, brother. He had a heck of a game. What he did in the fourth quarter for Ohio State is as impressive as anything I've seen in a long time 
at Ohio State. They just sort of, you know, run over people. But Penn State was gifted a couple of close, close calls at best, trying not to be a homer. But uh, two touchdowns result were the result of uh, interceptions in the end zone that were called back against Ohio State for one reason or another. One was on a phantom PI call. The other one was on something that was ultimately ruled uh, simultaneous possession. But even with that conspiring against them and a couple of freakish plays, Ohio State went into the fourth quarter down big. JT Barrett came through 13 of 13 for 170 and three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And there have been people very close to the program and across the country who have said for years, JT Barrett can't win a big game, can't put him on his back. Um, he was a big 30, moment he did his thing. 33 for 39 on the game. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah, so he had that's a great a, game. That's a wrap, Ohio State, because they have Iowa – Michigan State, Illinois, and Michigan. Don't sleep on that Michigan game, man. Crazy things happen when Ohio State and Michigan get together. Now, I think this year, I think Ohio State, they've got a – first of all, they've got a veteran team. Ohio State is far more talented than Michigan is, but you can't – you know, you can't blow past that. And Michigan State – on the the sort of DL has derailed a couple big Ohio State seasons. So – you know, Mark D'Antoni gets his guys ready to play. Michigan State, is it, they've sputtered for the last couple of years after really kind of rising to the cream of the crop in the Big right. Ten. But it's, it's you know, you never know. So now, after getting beaten by Northwestern, Michigan State actually does play Penn State. Well, yeah, this yes. is the week. How is Penn State going to recover from this? I mean, right. yeah, because Penn State's got – they had Ohio State, now Michigan, Michigan State, State, then Michigan, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Right. That's so, I mean, that's sort of murderer's row in the, in the Big Ten. And Saquon Barkley, this is my question for you guys because I have a certain feeling about it, but I'm going to let you guys tell me how you feel. Saquon Barkley returned to kickoff for a touchdown. Yeah. Had a big, long touchdown run. Had a big, you know, he did his thing on a national stage in Columbus, but Penn State drops the game. Where does that leave him? Did it hurt his Heisman hope? Definitely. I okay. think it did. Because I think with his performance, his performance to me, I kept thinking about Barry Sanders when he was at Oklahoma State and the game that he had as a senior against or as a junior against Oklahoma, where it was sort of him against Ohio State. And Barkley, even when he didn't have the ball in his hands, affected that game right down to the very end of the game where Ohio State – nursing a one-point lead with a minute and a half left. Pooch kicked it down to about the 40-yard line because they were scared to death to put it in Barkley's hands one more time. Mm -hmm. So Barkley is a legit threat. He's grown on me. I think he'll be a good pro. I don't think he's a superstar type back, but I I really like what I see from him. Dave, you think it hurt his Heisman chances. Trent, you think absolutely not. No way. I mean, the Heisman is an individual – Award. I mean, he did everything he needed to do in this big game. Well, Not the big question. If anything, it might have continued to help him with. The okay. Last. The yeah. big question yeah. is: Have all the quarterbacks been ruled out for this season? For me, they have. Yeah. I mean, well, the ones that we started with: Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield. I, I think Baker Mayfield and that choke job against Iowa State. For me, he's out of the conversation. Some people disagree. Josh Rosen started near the top of the list. Josh Rosen, that UCLA team's just not good enough. Um, who am I leaving out? 
Oh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the Ville. They might go back and take his from last year Buddy. after this season. <laughs> well, I'm well, going to tell you what, that team, fault. you saw it coming. That team is punched out. Yeah. And yeah. Bobby Petrino's lost that team. You saw the body language with Lamar Jackson throughout the season, but in the NC State game that we were all watching kind of live looking at it, Lamar Jackson's not digging anything going on around him, and he's punched out, and the rest could, of the team's gone with you him. You could see when those prostitute party parties started being taken <laughs> away, they just lost everything see, for the game. the moment that Chris anointed him as the greatest college football <laughs> exactly. quarterback ever, and it's serious, the second then after that, you're, he you're right fell on. apart. You're yeah. right on. I mean, it's That's not. True. Hey, since we kind of went in the Big Ten route and kind of have stayed there a little bit, the team I keep looking at that kind of makes me sick to my stomach is Wisconsin. They've moved up to the number four spot. Yeah. They play Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota left. They're probably not going to lose any of those games. Going to play Ohio State in the championship game. Well, don't don't get too far ahead of yourself. But you're right. Wisconsin's going to play a top shelf team in the in the championship game, and then they're going to have to validate their season. But before you get through that, and they were my sleeper. I, see, you you, you shouldn't have done that. Trent. You should have been yeah. humble because I was about to gloss you oh. and say yeah. Trent called that from jump and said Wisconsin's going to run the table. And go undefeated into the, the, the Big Ten spots. Championship. Yeah. They did. It was a great schedule for them, the way it broke out. Now, the guy, the other guy, though, that I want to talk about in terms of Heisman candidacy is Josh Adams from Notre Dame. Right. Dave, you hey, talked well, about how good that lineup, that line is. Yep. NC State had not given up a 100-yard rusher all season. 102 in the first half. Adams had 102 in the first half. And he came in, I don't know what his average is now, he came in averaging 9.2 a carry. Yeah. I don't care who you're running behind. That's ridiculous. Now, I think people had looked past Notre Dame because the one good game on their schedule had been Georgia and they lost. Now they put it on NC State. Now they've got Miami coming up. Mm-hmm. That That's could a be a big game. deal. Which, that, what did Miami do to the schedule makers? They got Notre Dame and Virginia Tech in the next two weeks. Yeah. Talk about so, it. And they had the Tar Heels this weekend. Whew. Actually, they barely Dang. beat them. I was there. I went to another game. By the way, just mm, Miami's sh- not that great. Just a shot out. They just keep finding ways to get it done. True. Which True. is, you know. It kind of reminds me of the Florida State, the 2014 Florida State team that on your eyeballs said they're not that yep. good and they kept winning games. Well, you yeah. know what my eyeballs tell me about Florida State? <laughs> What's that? That the 2017 team really isn't that good. And Jimbo Fisher, I told y'all a month ago. Now, let, hold on. You just messed yourself up. <laughs> let, me glo- let me gloss on Chris DeLambert was telling me about a mo- six weeks ago that Jimbo, by the end of the year, Jimbo Fisher is going to be holding up a sign, we'll snuggle for food. <laughs> <laughs> he's, Look, he's, I don't know if, Jim, I don't know if it's going to cost Jimbo his job. The, the administration down there may give him a, a, an alibi. They but, should. And I'm not going to beat on it too much because if you listen to the show, you'll know that I've said many times over, Jimbo Fisher has been anointed an offensive genius and play caller. Jimbo Fisher is neither of those. But dude, He does a good job of not screwing it up when he has good talent most of the time. He's lost this team. Except when we didn't even get a chance to talk about it. When he tries to freeze the Louisville kicker, he misses it and then makes the second one for the win. Yeah. He messed up that one. Well, here's the thing with Jimbo. I don't know for certain that Jimbo understands that there is no 
number one overall pick to to tank for. Because that's all I can do. That's what Florida State's doing at this point. He's like, wait, I thought the Cleveland Brown. Oh yeah, you're not yeah, in got, the NFL. What, Thirty-five to three against yeah, Boston bad. College. That's it's rough. Bad. The Friday night scored, games. BC rough. scored and scored thirty-five points in an ACC game in like. A can can I go back to my Barkley point? You know, I mean, we're, it's way back. It's, it's five. Barkley. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Here's why he had he averaged two point one yards per carry. I know he had a kick return, and he had a decent touchdown run. But 21 carries, 44 yards. If he's a Barry Sanders type, I don't care if your offensive line's getting destroyed. Barry Sanders found a way to get yards. He's not that type, and I don't. I think he took himself out of the Heisman because of it. Well, and another guy that may have gotten have taken himself out of the Heisman hunt, who I think is the best back in the country and the best NFL prospect as a back, as a back is Bryce Love out in Stanford. Bryce Love, brother. We talk about track guys that play football all the time. And Naheem Hines going out in that NC State game was a big deal. He's right. one of those guys. Bryce Love is maybe as fast a football player as I've ever seen with football in his hands. I think the Panthers should draft him seventh overall. <laughs> they might. Why not oh, put him in right. there with they a whole bunch of other, other weapons they don't use? They've already done that. With almost the same exact they player. Have, but why would they do that if they have Ed Dixon? Because I'm joking. Because they ain't giving the ball to McCaffrey, daggone it. Oh, he was joking. I didn't realize. I thought he was serious, Trent. I, 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 I didn't know. That's weird. Dude. It's very okay. odd. We missed it. He's not only got the scowl, but he's got three days of growth looking scraggly over there. He might hurt somebody before the end of the day. <laughs> you don't Penn State's schedule is a joke. They're not going to lose another game. Sorry. Well, that's a strong call. We'll see, and uh, we'll analyze that astuteness on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back. Final half hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. We bid a fond farewell to Diamond Dave Kaplan. We are talking college football right now, and Bedlam is this weekend. And, uh, you know, the Big 12, we talked last week about how Notre Dame blasting USC really put a dent into the playoff hopes for USC and for the Pac-12 as a whole. The Big 12 this week, man, bad luck. Bad luck. They needed TCU to be undefeated. Or is no, it, no worse than a one-loss team. Is it team. bad luck? Because if you run the show back last week, both you and I sat here and said, don't sleep on Iowa State. No. And now Iowa State is legitimately 
in the mix and the and the Big Twelve public pressure resulted in them establishing for the first time since their their reformation a conference championship game. You, you got to say it's not me. Is it me? Oh, it's me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, Chris isn't on his phone because we're not talking soccer. There's a Big Twelve <laughs> championship game this year, and they're doing theirs differently than anybody else. They don't have enough teams for two divisions. So they are going to select the top two teams to play in their championship game. Well, now you got all these one-loss teams out there, and they've still all got to play each other. Mm. Well, This and, is bad news. Well, then ultimately you'd love for those two teams, if you're the Big 12, to be Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Unfortunately, they played each <laughs> other this week. Yeah. And you, can you really do that to your no. league? No. Turn around. I'm and sorry, like, Iowa State has the best wins out of all of them, so they're one of the top two teams in my eyes. Well, Iowa State has gotten it done with smoke and mirrors, but right now, based on resume, you have to say Iowa State's the best team in the Big Twelve. That's bananas. Now, let me tell you what this means: the Pac-12 has blown themselves up because they get beaten up on each other and their chances of producing a national championship playoff team are decreasing weekly it seems like mm-hmm. Washington State has imploded USC's got a bad loss there now and sneakily <laughs> the fighting Irish have come out of nowhere and they're number five ranked right, right now now Wisconsin's at number four. Wisconsin, that's going to take care of itself because Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, one of those teams is going to emerge and probably get in. Wisconsin will have done it via the back door if they if they get in because they haven't played anybody all year. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to play, one would assume, Penn State or Ohio State in the Big, Big Ten Championship. And at this point, Ohio State's the odds-on favor to be that team. If Wisconsin goes into the Big Ten Championship and beats a one-loss Ohio State team and is undefeated, they're in. Period. Doesn't matter what the rest of their resume looks like, they're in. Yep. So did there's you, one. Did you see how far Iowa State shot up the polls? Oh, 11, as well they should. 11 spots from number mm-hmm. 25. But as well they should. You know, the Oklahoma thing, you look at it and they're like, well, you know, it's a conference game. Strange things happen. It was a close game. Okay, Iowa State lucked up into it. You turn around immediately following that, and you beat TCU, who's one of the last undefeated teams in the country left. And I told you, the thing for TCU with me was that Kenny Hill had hit his stride and was playing so well that TCU offense had become a real thing to go along with you know the Gary Patterson defense that always gives people problems. But to hold those guys to a touchdown, beat them 14-7, man, you look back at the Oklahoma win, maybe that's the biggest win in in school history. Now you got TCU, maybe that's an even bigger win. I don't know, but one way or the other, Iowa State is on fire. And what do they have the rest of the way, Trent? Iowa State? Yeah. So this weekend, Bedlam, which is my favorite name for a – college football rivalry school. And Iowa State has West Virginia. Which West Virginia can beat anybody any given week. Is it Morgantown or Morganton? West Morgantown. Virginia. Morgantown. Yes. Okay. 
I'm then just, they have Oklahoma State, there Iowa we go. State. So Iowa State, and I read I read something this week, and I was looking at that schedule. I wanted you to confirm or refresh my memory, but there were people alluding, well, Iowa State could get in it. Yeah, but they've got to get past TCU, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. Well, they've checked two off the block so far because they beat Oklahoma, they beat TCU. Assuming they beat West Virginia – conceivably, even if Oklahoma State beats them, you've got to consider them to be in the title game, don't you? It's a it's a mess. And what you're liable to have happen is have a two- or a three-loss team win the doggone Big 12, which in the bigger scheme of things makes it that much easier for Notre Dame to slide in the back well, that's, door. That's what I was just looking at because they still got to play Miami – yeah, oh, absolutely. Now, and, they've got work to do. And Stanford, so, so you, final game of the Stanford, year. And Stanford, the final game of the year. But don't they, being that they don't have a conference championship, don't they need for Miami to, be, to beat Virginia Tech this week? So they don't, you know, uh, uh, Miami lost and dropped a spot this week. The sports writers are not buying into Miami just like they probably shouldn't. We just had Dom and Dave Kaplan go to the Miami game this past weekend. Miami's he says, resume. He says they're not that good. I watched them play at Duke. I was there. Miami has a nice defensive front. They've, that is a flawed team offensively. But Malik Rozier, they managed to get it done. Now, do they need Miami? What Notre Dame needs for Miami is nothing. Miami, they, just they need, need to, to go in and beat Miami. Yeah. What would what would make Notre Dame the happiest is if NC State can find a way to beat Clemson this weekend. Because if that happens, I think Notre Dame's ticket is punched. Because well, you've got NC State that at that point would be rolling into, most likely, the ACC conference title game. And still probably Miami coming out of that. And they would have beaten them both. But the thing is, the saddest thing in this whole thing is if Alabama or Georgia, their only loss is against each other, how can you not put those two teams in the playoffs? Listen. I mean, Brandon, and I'm not on that boat. I am saying whoever wins the championship in the SEC should go. But Bra I'm, I'm with you. Brandon actually made the point last week mm -hmm. that if – Alabama were to beat Georgia, you could make a case for Georgia because of their resume. That, yes, Georgia should probably be included. I disagree 1,000% with that. If Georgia beats Alabama, you tell me what Alabama has done to justify being put into the national championship game. Because they haven't done a heck of a lot more than Wisconsin who we assume is going to go into the Big Ten championship game and lose. Alabama just hasn't played anybody. That Florida State win that they scheduled was scheduled well-intentioned. It means nothing. That's a four-loss team at Florida State already. Mm -hmm. So you look at Alabama's schedule, they're going to beat an okay Auburn team? Well, That's got, not enough to justify losing. Well, they have them. LSU's in the top 25. Bro, they have God. Mississippi State who's LSU in the top in the 25. Top 25. <laughs> Mississippi State's number 21. Grr. Yeah. LSU's only dropped two games this year, though. If if Mississippi State were in, I don't know, let's plug in a conference. 
the ACC. <laughs> if they were in the ACC, well, if they were in the ACC, they'd be winless probably. If they were in the Pac-12, they wouldn't be anywhere near. This is the SEC bias. This is it. People won't let go of it. These middle-of-the-road SEC teams are not good. Well, Florida, think of where Florida was a couple weeks ago. Florida got their doors blown off by a very, very good Georgia team. And SEC fans were not hating on Alabama and Georgia. They're very, very good ball clubs, quite possibly the best two teams in the country. But Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State, Tennessee, all these teams that have traditionally been good teams for you, they're all in downward well, you know, cycles. Then right they now. have Mercer, which is a big well, headache. Why are they playing Mercer on November 18th? Saban does that every year. Well, you know, you know? he does that every and year. And then he Auburn an is their final school. game. Yeah, he always plays an FCS school right before they play Auburn. Well, you know, I you know my stance. I feel like if they run the table and Georgia loses, they should both be in. I don't think Alabama should be in if they were to lose to Georgia in the same scenario, because even if they beat these three poorly ranked teams, Auburn I think is highest at maybe what number sixteen. Mm-hmm. They Georgia's got the signature win that over Notre Dame. They're currently number five. They could easily run the table. I'm not saying it will be easy, but you can see that Notre Dame could run the table for the rest of the way out, and there'll be quality wins like Miami. Um, Georgia's got the resume right now, and Alabama Alabama hasn't played anybody. Their signature win was supposed to be Florida State, and we see what happened there. They were, at the time, ranked third, and now they're ranked, what, 150th, maybe? Who knows? That's the point. And there still are a million different scenarios that could play out. I still am not going to believe that two teams can be into the national championship playoff until I see it happen. Right. Now, a lot of it could get screwed up along the way. Miami beats Notre Dame and then gets beat in the ACC championship by North Carolina State or Clemson. Well, then you've got a team coming out of the ACC. The Big Ten, I think, has handled itself. But – Wisconsin could still win the Big Ten Championship. And then, you know, I think if they're undefeated, they're in. I don't know. That's why people tune in to watch college football. It's why football ratings are higher than baseball ratings. Well, this is this past weekend was really good for the ACC outside of state getting beat, but in some ways might keep, you know, uh, Notre Dame's strength of their actual resume up there. So if it, uh, Miami does beat them, it will help them. You know, Miami takes care of business. So does Virginia Tech. So does Clemson. So they've positioned themselves to get in. And I'm not pulling for this um, SEC two teams because I think it, the one conference that could really hurt in the end is the ACC because we might have one barely peeking in there. And uh, if that were to happen, I feel like we might be the biggest Look, game of the year. The Pac-12 and the Big 12. Here's, here's yeah. the deal. Hey, let me, let me finish ahead. this one thought. <clears throat> like you mentioned earlier, the Clemson-NC State game is everything for the ACC. This week, if in, <laughs> NC State's still undefeated in the conference, if NC State beats Clemson, that's a wrap. They're not going to lose another game. Whoa! Whoa, 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 you're the guy that said this is what's going to happen. NC State's going to win out well, until they get to, to BC, and they're going to choke that game away. 
but that's okay. I glossed you earlier. Now I got to call you out on it. No, no. But the reason they're now going to beat Boston College is they don't have the weight of this playoff on okay. them anymore. I well, mean, if they beat Clemson this week, they do have that weight because then they're in the driver's seat. And as long as they win against BC, they're in. Here's the deal if Clemson beats NC State, and runs the table and gets in and wins the ACC championship, they are in the playoff they should period. Be. Sure, they should be. Undoubtedly. If NC State beats Clemson and gets into the gets into the conference championship, you may well end up with an NC State team and a Miami team playing for the ACC championship, both of which will have lost to Notre Dame. In that case, Notre Dame's got to be in, right? I would think so. And at least ahead of an ACC team. So this next couple of weeks is pivotal, and that's why college football is great. We've said a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, that in no sport in the national consciousness is every single week as important as it is in college football. These teams only play 11 or 12 games. So every one of those weeks means a huge amount. And it's a good thing. Because if every week was important, Golden State would be panicking right now. And so would Cleveland. After after Sunday's loss to the Pistons, the unbeatables out in Golden State are 4-3. and three, And I'm wondering, is it time to worry yet? Nah, I don't think so. We'll come back to that on the other side. All right. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris Lambert, Brandon Ackes, Professor Trent Nichols. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Kiramutu todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. As we put a bow on this week's edition of From the Cheap Seats, we appreciate you hanging out with us. If you've got questions, comments, feedback, send it to cheapseatradio at gmail.com. Cheapseatradio at gmail.com. If we read your question or comment on the air, we'll send you a From the Cheap Seats t-shirt. And uh, they're pretty dope. I can dig it. Not quite as dope as Tim Copas's jacket, but whatever. Mm-mm, what is? We will be November 8th. At Libations, which is alive and well and very much open, hosting trivia. We kick it off at 6 o'clock on November 8th. That's Wednesday. We do it every other Wednesday. Uh, there'll be sports, music, TV, plenty of beer flowing. Shenanigans. Good Good yeah, lots of shenanigans. Uh, we'll also be releasing a date for next year's dodgeball tournament. It'll be in April, and by the time you tune in next week, we will have that date identified, and we'll be ready to rock and roll. So I asked the question before the break, Golden State out of the gate four and three. Professor Trent is over here scrambling, trying to figure out when, how long it took before Golden State lost three games last year. Yeah, I don't know the answer except that it was a long time. And I, I'm facetious when I say, should we be concerned? But really, when should we be concerned, Brandon? 
So right now I'm not concerned at all. Because, okay. I mean, teams that have – you have to always say this, not including Michael Jordan, but teams who have reached that level of success, broken records about regular season wins, won the ring two out of the last three years – have a tendency to probably get bored at the beginning of the year, maybe going through the motions. You know, we're just that much better that we don't have to exert all this energy. But I feel like where we should start to get concerned, the one thing that I keep coming back to is this marriage started off beautifully last year with Kevin Durant coming in here. A lot of marriages start off beautifully only to have some tension and sometimes don't work out. I'm looking at Clay Thompson, who looks like he wants to be the star again. Now he's like, some people say third, fourth fiddle. And so I'm just thinking he is probably looking at it like, man, I'm in the prime of my career. I could really get my brand out there with another team. And there's a lot of mouths to feed. Plus, we talked about off air. Draymond Green's act is getting old, brother. It's been old. And you take not only the act with this fake tough guy thing, but the fact that he basically wants to run as a point center and wants the ball in his hands. Brother, you're playing alongside Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Klay Thompson. Get down there, play defense, rebound, and shut up. Because anything else is taken away from what Golden State does. And the cracks are starting to show in that foundation. Klay Thompson is in a tough spot. Clay Thompson's coming into his contract window, and he should be a guy that's a doggone near max contract guy. Mm -hmm. But when you look at him, he's got to get the touches to put up the numbers to warrant that. Because right now he's being looked at as a guy that is a jump shooter. He's a spot-up guy. And remember, a while back, all you did was hear about the Splash Brothers. You didn't hear about Steph Curry. It was the Splash Brothers. Now – yeah. Now, now it's Steph, Steph, Steph. Now it's Steph, Steph, Steph. Oh, and guess what? Clay Thompson, he's making about half of what Steph is making. And it's interesting, and, and this is where I'm concerned that friction is going to come because Kevin Durant is doing things defensively and on the boards that I never saw him do in the beginning of his career. And he is making a concerted effort to be a defensive stopper, even in the regular season. I'm watching the guy blocking shots, chasing balls down, doing things, playing at another level. So he's all in on this. And if he starts to see that some other guys aren't necessarily all in and they're like, yeah, we've got our rings, this is cool, now it's time for me to get paid, I wonder (laughs) how that's going to go, especially given that he took a pay cut. And you talking about – who are you talking about right now? I'm talking about Thompson and and Green. Well, what about David West? Like, I mean, he was virtually a non-factor in the playoffs because they didn't need him last year. Yeah. But he could go and make gazillions of dollars from another team. Think about that guy. He's making almost $1.5 a year right now to get rings. Now, if he sees people being complacent, that's not what I signed up for. And, and, you know – Steve Kerr has done a good job thus far of keeping the personalities together, but it's a dance, man. And you're talking about tens of millions of dollars on the table. I'm not I'm not predicting that the end is near for Golden State, but Golden State, you take, you know, everything that's going on, and then you add to the fact the fact that, you know, for these guys in this generation, these are the 90s Bulls teams. They're going to get everybody's best shot every night. 
Um, going to be interested to see how it goes with Golden State. But Golden State, not looking necessarily vulnerable yet, but definitely not the world beaters that they've been the last couple of years. Well, Trent. I might have this wrong. Too. I'm sorry, Trent. Go, go for it. Well, no, it was December 1st. Their third loss was in double overtime to Houston last year. They had lost to the Lakers, and then the first game they lost uh, by 29 to the Spurs. But it's November 1st. I'm not going to worry about Golden oh, no. State. If no. this was February, I mean, we saw injuries can change everything, and I don't think Golden State's as blessed as what the Celtics have kind of been with their major injury on the first game. You know, this might have made the Celtics a little bit better of a team right now, but you get a major injury to even Klay Thompson, Steph well, Curry, or Durant. Well, Steph is Steph. And we'll see what happens. But wasn't Klay Thompson the – the player that Golden State tanked for that year, because make no mistake, they they no, here's they the did tank to get this good, and then who knew no, Steph Curry was going to be this good? Nobody. I, you, you're I, you're you're off because none of these guys were top two or three picks. All these guys are mid round, first round picks for the most part. Here's what I will tell you though, is that Clay Thompson, when when they were tooling, getting ready to be this team that has made this run. Clay Thompson was the guy they shopped, and they had a deal in place to send him to Minnesota in exchange for Kevin Love and picks going from Golden State to bring Kevin Love in. Clay Thompson went to the organization and rallied the support of Steph Curry and begged not to be traded to Minnesota. He wanted to be part of this thing. Golden State wasn't able to get a deal without Clay Thompson involved together to get Kevin Love. But Clay Thompson, had he gone to Minnesota then, would have been the guy. Right. So there's a lot of different moving parts here. Clay Thompson, a lottery pick, by the way. I mean, there's lots of lottery picks, but there's a difference between being in the lottery and being tanking, getting one of the top three And when this started, it was Steph and Clay was 1A, 1B. I mean, every other night on SportsCenter is like, yeah, hey, much. Clay Thompson went off for 50. Hey, well, Steph Curry well, went off for 50. Steph was hurt a little bit, too. Yeah. And, you know, well, he's, he's you know, had the history. They they came to Golden State within two or three years of each other. You As did all you, of these you guys. You don't have to, and that's all I'm going to say about this because we disagree. You don't have to, to get LeBron James to say you had a successful tank. When you get the number 7th and the number 11th player within the last – Two, three years? Yeah, that's a pretty good tank job. But I think they were just not good. They weren't. That's why they weren't I mean, tanking on purpose. State. I think they just weren't good, like Minnesota, for many years. Yeah. Well, or even Sacramento and now and Milwaukee. Now they're on the rise because they just weren't well, good long of, enough. A lot of these teams want to be good, but when they're not, they do the full tank job. Just I, ask the 76ers. Wait, wait, hold up. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. I need to get a timeout. The 76ers have been bad and have gone out of their way to be the worst they could possibly be. In the run-up to the Splash Brothers getting the Golden State Warriors in the playoff, those teams just sucked. I mean, they weren't tanking and they weren't bringing in, you know, number one draft picks and losing and making, you know, moves. But Golden State – Golden State didn't put together a team in one year. It was a process. They got close to the playoffs a couple years. Then they got into the playoffs and bounced for a couple years. And then, boom, they're on a championship run. But I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't ever say that from my perspective. Golden State tank. Golden State just wasn't very good for a couple of years. Kind of like Phoenix. about twenty. But well, since Mullins left, <laughs> since Run DMC. Well, 
I mean, that's true. But, I mean, look at Phoenix now. Phoenix is a team that really intrigues me. Phoenix hasn't been tanking for the last few years. They've just been bad. I think Milwaukee's a better case. Milwaukee's and even the best case. Sacramento maybe by the end of this year, if not next year, is another case. They've just been bad Man, for I a look long at that. time. I'm going to tell you what. I've watched Sacramento play a couple times this year. Sacramento's going to be good. De'Aaron Fox is for real. When Harry Giles hits his stride out there, if he can stay healthy, I really, really, really like what Sacramento's got going on out there. I do but too. But I, I, I do want to say this because we've only got a couple minutes left. You're talking about, is it time to be concerned for Golden State? Nah, not yet. But keep your eyes open for these cracks that we, we sort of alluded to. Memphis is 5-1 and one to open the season. And, you know, a lot of people, ah, oh, don't, you know, don't buy into that, don't buy into that. Let me tell you something. Mike Conley and Mark Gasol are coming into the prime of their careers. And I think over the last couple of years, because they had Zach Randolph, they tried to play this grinded out, pounded inside, tough guy basketball. They're starting to play something more akin to what the rest of the league does. Memphis has got a nice squad. And when you start talking about the you know a pair of stars or three stars, don't sleep on Memphis. Memphis is a team that plays hard. There's no doubt about who the center of gravity is in that team. And in an era where there are very few legitimately good big men, Mark Gasol is one of the more underrated stars in the NBA. And it seems like he's been there forever. He's only 32. So he's got another four or five years left in his prime because of the style of basketball he plays. Well, how but, about how but, about Chandler Parsons making twenty three million with nine points? But but see per game, Chandler Parsons was the type of guy they needed in Memphis that can create his own shot. If Parsons can be that guy, and they tried it with Vince with Vince Carter, they've been searching for years for a guy that could complement good point guard play. Good post play. They've needed someone that could get their own shot. Parsons may be that guy. There's some other options there as well. But just keep your eyes on Memphis. I like what Memphis is doing, and they're sneaky in this year when everybody built these super teams. They had their core intact and may have done just a little bit of addition by subtraction with Zach Randolph moving on. And and they got rid of him before he got busted for selling pot. So there's that too. Thanks for hanging out. It's been a great two hours. We'll do even better next week. This is from the Cheap Seats. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Cheap Seat Radio. We love you guys. Thanks. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.